Is there not an entire section on this subject? No, yes. but I may have changed my mind in the meantime on that, so it's unfair. I may have I may have changed my mind about Mithra, for example. Is, is, your, is your book for sale about it? Yes, what have you ever asked God for forgiveness? <laughs> I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. Let me tell you, 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 let me. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 14 of Let Me Tell You. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. Uh, we're going to jump right into talking about some stuff this week. It's been an interesting week. You will notice that the abortion statistics are still up there. We are going to have that up there for every episode um, until there's a reason to take it down, like Roe v. Wade being overturned. We can always hope. Uh, so, a couple of stats. Um, United States Today, um, what is that, 56 uh, babies murdered in the United States today. I mean, it's Sunday and we're coming into Monday morning. Maybe that's not totally accurate, but based on statistics, it's probably true. Um, U.S. since Roe v. Wade, uh, 61,408,000 children murdered since Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973. Uh, Planned Parenthood has killed 8,460 babies since 1970. Uh, this year, they have killed 172,000 children. Um, the United States, we have killed 466,000 babies this year in the U.S. Um, and 22,000 of those are after 16 weeks of gestation. So, yeah, I, I was going to talk about definitely feel a heartbeat, definitely. None of that matters. Heartbeat, pain... None of that matters. It is a child inside that womb that is being murdered. Whether they have a, whether they can feel pain or not, whether a heartbeat is there or not, there is a distinct DNA, unique DNA inside that mother's womb, and it is alive and it is growing, um, and it should not be murdered. Let's just leave it at that. Again, uh, you know, we we fall into this so easily i mean even i uh with as much stuff as i do talking about abortion i still fall into those those uh language what's the word i'm looking for just the 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 defaults that are out there in society right now talking about fetuses and excuse me heartbeats and so on and when none of that matters, when we start to soften the language, when we start to talk about them as something other than a human being, we end up in the same place where they were in slavery. They talked about black people as something other than a human being to justify what they were doing, which was horribly immoral. Um, the Holocaust, they talked about Jews as something other than human beings, which made that, that in an attempt to justify what they were doing to them, which was totally immoral. And it is the same situation that people use words like fetus and um, 
abortion instead of murder and all these words and terms and we talk about heartbeat bills and exceptions for rape and incest and all these things to soften the blow of what it truly is and that is the murder of a child so let's let's keep that in mind again i go back to the movie the giver and where they talk about precision of language you know, we need to be precise in the language that we use, especially when we're dealing with babies in the womb. So um, in the U.S. this year, um, out of all these um, abortions that have been done, 4,528 are due to rape and incest. That is less than 1%. Again, this is the, where they use the, the, the minute amount to try to justify the whole. Uh, black babies killed in the United States since 1973, 18 million. That is a, a huge amount of the population that is not here. 73, we are in 2019. Let's do the math. That is 46 years old, 45 to 46 years old for the majority of those. That How much of a voting block have Democrats just completely wiped out since 2000? since 1973 i mean when you when you talk about the fact that the majority of black people uh, automatically vote democrat uh you know there's there's beginning to be more and more that are voting republican and identifying with the republican party and the the values and uh that are in the republican party um I would say actually not to line it up with the Republican Party, but with just with conservative values. I mean, many of them are Republicans, but again, I'm I'm extremely conservative, and I'm no longer a Republican because of the dude that's in the White House. Um, I couldn't vote for him. I couldn't support him as a as a candidate. Um, I do support him as a president. I pray for my president. I hope that he does well. I applaud him when he does things that are good, and I uh, critique him when he does things that are bad. Um, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But so again, uh, but the the reality is, is a, a large population of the black community are Democrat, and so this you would figure probably this eighteen million at least. 14 to 15 million of those would be Democratic voters. You would have President Hillary Clinton right now if if these uh, people were alive and had not been been killed. And then granted, of course, not all of those were in 1973. So you've got to break it down to, you know, you could probably subtract eight, uh, maybe, I don't know, eight million of those. Uh, four million. We'll we'll say we'll take away four million. We'll say fourteen million of those could be a voting age today, um, which means about again ten to eleven million would probably vote Democrat. You would have a President Hillary Clinton today, especially if those people were in some of the areas that that they needed votes. So again, it just the 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 thought about it and the staggering numbers that are there. Um, worldwide, one since 1980, world one billion. That's with a B.
One billion. Five hundred and forty million. One point five billion people. Yeah, sorry for those of you who are on the audio and just a, a, a little bit speechless as I think about that. Worldwide this year, 20 million. Since we started this in the last 8 minutes, 30 seconds, 589 babies have been murdered since we started this video. And all day today in worldwide, 2,950. So there you go. Just some statistics to let those rest in and uh, ruminate in your head while we uh, go through the rest of the stuff. And excuse me while my phone starts to make noise. You would think that I would uh, mute that <laughs> after after two years or so of, of doing these podcasts. You would think I would remember to mute my phone. But I didn't. So let's jump into the stuff that we want to talk about this week first. Um, not a uh, insignificant event. Uh, Donald Trump became the first American sitting American president to step foot into North Korea. And this is not an insignificant event by any means. Um, I mean, to to I'm trying to again. I just I I. I'm still caught up in the abortion stuff. 1.5 billion. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, here again, we we have a president that I mean, I I really feel like I mean this is a this is an amazing thing to to say that a president has stepped foot into North Korea. I mean, after how many years of of this going on? I mean, 60, 70 years of conflict of this police action this police uh whatever we call what is going on in in korea have, have a good friend of mine that just left korea last week uh to come back to the states um thanks for your service jason um but so yeah but trump has has met with kim jong-un in uh North Korea, for the first time a president has done that. But I look at the, I mean, just the optics of it. The fact that we have a president that is, for lack of a better term, pandering to a murderous dictator. This little man next to Donald Trump has had numerous people, including his own family members, murdered killed, wiped out to protect his political agenda and to advance his political uh, career, apparently, as a dictator of this nation. So many Christians are suffering in this country under this guy, and Donald Trump just just lauds this man. You know, I mean, and there's been the up and down. I mean, there was the insults at the beginning where he was calling him Little Rocket Man. But then he talks about, oh, just how great he is and, and stuff like that and how smart he is and, and so on. This man is a killer. And so when I think about Christians who 
I you know I love and respect, I, I, and I'm not going to name names, but there are Christians that I know are so um, vehemently opposed to abortion. I mean, out at abortion mills, preaching the gospel, doing these things, but yet they won't. They have not uh, chastised this president because of the way that he's pandering to this man. I mean, let's just imagine that it was the president having meeting with uh, with Dr. What's-her-name, Leanna Wen, the, the new president of Planned Parenthood. I think that's her name, Leanna Wen. Um, I'm probably going to talk about her a lot. I should probably learn her name. Um, stepping into a boardroom in the corporate headquarters of Planned Parenthood for the first time. When was the last time we had a sitting president do that? I mean, I, I know that there's a, a difference on a global scale, but morally, there's no difference. The fact that he panders to this man is no different than the pandering that happens towards, or could happen, um, towards Planned Parenthood. Now, again, we have a president that is is very, uh, you know, supportive of pro-life at this point. I'm, I'm going to put it like that because I, I still don't believe Donald Trump is really as pro-life as he's saying he is. I think he just knows how to uh, appeal to his base. And I think that's what he's doing with, with everything pro-life. And, and I mean, for whatever reason he's doing it, he's doing it. And so I'm, I'm thankful for it. But again, we're not looking for incrementalism. I'll take everything I can get, but I want to see abolition. I want to see ab- abortion abolished completely. I don't know that this is the president that will do it. I don't think the, the Supreme Court justices that he's put in place will do it. I just don't trust it. And I think that, again, I, I cannot I cannot applaud this man for the pandering that he does to this brutal, murderous dictator. I mean, great. We've had a president step foot into North Korea. What good is that going to do? What freedoms is he gaining for Christians in this country who are imprisoned and beaten for their faith in Christ? Murdered for their faith in Christ. What has he done for them? You know, has he really done anything for as far as like a nuclear program or anything like that? I just I, I cannot help but think that every time Trump goes and, and starts talking good things about Kim Jong un, this little man just stands by and laughs and mocks. You know, I mean I I don't like Donald Trump's name calling. I think it's immature. I think when others join in along those lines it's immature. Um I don't think it's something that we should do as Christians. Something as immature as as name calling like he does, but I have to admit, Little Rocket Man was kind of funny. But again, you know, I, I almost want that relationship between these two men back. I want the the strong um, hammer down attitude that Trump had towards North Korea initially of like. Do not 
practice, do not launch these ICBM missiles. Do not continue with a, a, a uranium enrichment program. Stop. That's what I want this president to do. Not to be going and having dinner and talking about how, how smart Kim Jong-un is. I would just rather see, you know, I'd, I, would, I, I would rather see the name-calling, the immature name-calling, than the pandering that goes on right now. I mean, you could at me with that. I, I, it's, that's my opinion on it. That's the way I see it. You may think I'm wrong. So be it. I mean, this is a situation where I can say, you do you, bro. Um, but I am not happy with, with the way this is going with between this president and this killer. So, and and speaking of, um, well, we weren't speaking of it. That's it. If you mention the word segue, it's no longer a segue. So here's our segue. We had Democratic uh, debates this week. Um, I believe we are up to 19 people. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 20 people running for uh, the Democratic nomination for president in two years. Well, next year. Elections will be next year. Um, so, uh, yeah crazy stuff that happened when you put these two these two groups on stage um i thought it was 10 one night and nine the other maybe somebody didn't participate or something some of these people i had never heard of i thought i was keeping track but there's some some people that i mean i don't even know who they are and i'm not even going to try to figure it out because i don't think they're going to be around very long but this julian uh julian castro julian castro however you want to say his name um I had never heard of him until the other night during the debates. Um, you know, but so let's talk about just the, the ridiculousness that is the Democratic debates. So he started out with uh, Beto uh, speaking Spanish. And I so want to just steal Ben Shapiro's uh, imitation of Beto because he does it so good. It's so Beto. He's Beto, right? He's Beto. He's a cool guy. He's a skateboarder, Beto. And he can talk Spanish, he can speak Spanish, and he and he he can speak Spanish and not interpret it for anybody who's listening who doesn't speak Spanish, because he's Beto, right? Okay, probably don't do that near as good as Ben does, but uh, there you go. So we got that, and then we got you know uh, so many other people that were speaking in Spanish. Okay, so here we go, automatically pandering. And by the way, Beto apparently somebody speak spanish and translate it and he didn't even answer the question that he was asked I, I mean i don't know if he was ordering his favorite burrito or what but um as far as i know as far as my spanish goes that's what he was doing he was ordering you know a a, a smothered steak burrito with uh, uh enchilada sauce from costa vida um so that was interesting that was an interesting way to, to start off and it was his first question that they asked him um, you got Elizabeth Warren talking about, was it Elizabeth Warren or Cory Booker? Somebody talking about gay reparations. <sighs> I mean, I can't even get behind reparations for slavery because 
reparations should be for the person who suffered. And we have nobody alive right now who actually suffered during slavery. Yet we don't have any slave masters alive still that can can offer those reparations. And I don't think that's something that the government should do. There's my opinion. Go ahead and at me, bro. Um, but to talk about gay reparation for what? For what? I mean, that's just, again, just phenomenal that, that they would even mention that stuff. And then you have Castro that apparently thinks that biological men who feel pretty and want to put on a dress should have access to abortion. Let that just sink in for a minute. This man on a national stage said that he was going to fight for reproductive freedom, translate murdering babies, reproductive health care, whatever the, the term is, for all women to have that choice and trans women. Now, maybe he misspoke. Maybe he meant to say trans men, women who think they should have look like a lumberjack um but he said trans woman um i don't know if he was ever given an opportunity to correct it but a trans woman is a biological male who thinks he looks pretty in a dress and is usually horribly wrong to all the the studies and going on of of why straight men won't date trans women there you go that's just as ridiculous as anything else that happened on the stage. Apparently, Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris uh, can't remember when um, she started school and started busing because apparently uh, fact checkers said her her little story where she essentially shut down Joe Biden was was factually inaccurate. And then you got Joe Biden that was looked like he was going to be a tough guy and actually be uh, a candidate who could defend himself and, and so on. And he got into it and then he just was like, oh, my time is up. We're just going to stop. So I'm trying to think, oh, Bill de Blasio um, decided to, on the same stage, while on the same stage as Cory Booker, make a big deal about the fact that he's raising a black son. Um Okay, uh, let's see. What other ridiculousness came out of this thing this week? I don't know. Um, some, I can't even remember whatever lady was going to call the Prime Minister of New Zealand or something and challenge her to see who could kill the most babies in the world. I don't know. So, essentially, what I'm trying to say is based on everything that happened in the uh, the Democratic debates... You're probably looking at your front runners are, are going to be still going to be Biden, Warren, <laughs> Harris is probably going to pick up a little steam. Uh, I think Beto is going to fade into uh, into the the shadows. The majority of these people, I don't. Th I think by the end of August. We're going to be down to less than 10 candidates. I think a lot of these people are just going to drop out and, and uh, fade into obscurity. Um, go write some books, get paid to do the speech circuit, and you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, so Pete Buttigieg, um, 
got just hammered over issues going on in his city. You know, bro, if you if you can't handle South South Bend, is that the city that he? he then you can't just just step down, son. You know, just just go away. So there you go. I still think Biden is probably going to end up being the nominee and is going to lose miserably to Trump because in everything that happened in these Democratic debates, Trump was the guy that won. And that's all there is to it. That's that's about it. So there's your little update, um, as brief as it was on the Democrats, and my opinion. You know, and again, I I'm not a professional political analyst. I just look at it as I see it. And yeah, I do gain some insight from from people like Ben Shapiro and Steve Dace and so on. But I I, I really kind of try to form my own opinions based on what these people have said. I didn't even mention Bernie. Because he's not worth mentioning. Excuse me again. I should quit yawning. Uh, that's that's how I feel about Bernie. He just kind of put me to sleep. Um, really nothing new to say. Nothing. Uh, he was just Bernie. Um, and as Ben would say, looking for his, his pudding cup. So... Um, with that, we're going to move on to the last story I want to talk about. And that uh, The picture that you see there, that is Greg Johnson. Johnson he is the founder of the Revoice. Uh, I don't even know what you want to call it. A Revoice convention, uh, conference, something or other. Trying to, um, again, uh, bring some normalization and bring... Um, not just tolerance, but uh, encouragement, I think, even, of the LGBTQ community into um, mainstream Christianity. And joining in the ranks of people like Jay Givens and Vicki Beeching and uh, V. Jean Robinson and Brandon Robertson and all these people who are claiming to be ministers or theologians or you know just christians in general but yet are coming out this is a guy that was on cross politic and when they asked him about um you know point blank chuck knox asked him are you gay when they were talking about the revoice conference um and he kind of dodged the question and then not too much longer after that he did come out and and proclaim himself to be gay he's a gay christian and so uh, the whole point of this, what I was getting to, is the PCA, Presbyterian Church of America, voted on whether or not to affirm the Nashville statement, which was, I mean, they're a little late coming to the table on the Nashville state statement. That was like two years ago, I think, almost, um, that that came out. It's been a while. And they're just getting around to affirming it. Um, the arguments were that Rather than affirming the the Nashville statement, the PCA should write their own. Um, Greg Johnson's argument was uh, with Statement 7, I believe, which essentially states that we should not identify ourselves as anything other than Christian. And he was talking about, you know, where does that leave us who are gay and, and so on? Well, if... and And so the whole issue with that is is we... 
as Christians, we don't identify as anything other. We don't identify any longer by our sin. And so his argument was, well, what about alcoholics? Well, I've, I don't have, I've never met an, a person who deals with that kind of addiction who calls themselves an alcoholic Christian. These are people who call themselves Christian and they're struggling with an addiction. They're fighting against an addiction. They are uh, actively trying to kill their addiction. And for, I would even say for guys like me, as being a Christian, I no longer identify as an alcoholic. I was, I went to AA. I know that there are certain drinks that I shouldn't drink, um, certain things I don't drink, uh, hard liquor or things like Jack Daniels or anything like that anymore because my tendency with that is I don't stop once I start drinking it. But I would not call myself an alcoholic today. I wouldn't even call myself a recovering alcoholic. I mean, besides the fact that I have beer in my fridge behind me because I can drink beer and not have a problem with it. But I am a new creation in Christ. And it makes it very clear throughout Scripture over and over and over. We have a new creation. We are a new creation. We have a new identity. We identify ourselves in Christ. We no longer identify by our sin. Should we have adulterer Christians, thief Christians, murdering Christians? You know, I mean, what about the guy that, that, that struggles with the temptation to kill people, but yet is saved? And, and I mean, I know that's an extreme and I'm going to get all kinds of comments about, um, well, you just associated being gay with being a murderer. Yes, I did. Because the word of God does it as well. Revelation. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Adulterers. Murderers. Effeminate. Homosexuals. It specifically puts all those people into one group and says they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. If they do not repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And part of repenting and putting our trust in Jesus Christ is identifying no longer by our sin or anything else. You know, he talked about, I think he mentioned black Christians and so on. Well, one, it's not a sin to be black. Although there are a lot of people out there right now who would say, who would indicate that they think that people believe that's true. But it's not. And we shouldn't identify as white Christian, black Christian, Asian Christian, anything else. We identify as Christian. We are, we are we are dead in our sins and our trespasses. We were made alive in Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are given a new identity. We are new creatures. We no longer de define ourselves by any of those old, old names or old attributes. You know, I'm, I'm not. I would never call myself a a porn addict Christian. Well, you know, I'm 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 just a Christian who who struggles with pornography and uh, no, no, and even you know, even if he is a, a a guy that's trying to maintain celibacy or whatever, I don't know where he's at. But we still don't identify by our sin. Because, I mean, one, first and foremost, that is an insult to Christ. That we would put anything before the name of Christ that we identify with as Christians. The fact that we would, we would identify that, that with anything else 
it's really real it's it's really just giving a big middle finger to the savior yeah you you went to the cross you died to pay the penalty for my sin so that i could be a new crea- creation and have no longer have any condemnation while i'm in you but i'm still going to identify with that sin and i'm going to make that such an important part of my life that i would put that before the name of christ I mean, I love my black brothers and sisters. I do. I, I, I love hip-hop culture and all those things that, that, that are kind of intertwined and so on. But I would never identify as a white Christian, white evangelical, although that's the words that have been thrown around. We shouldn't be identifying as black Christian or Hispanic or Asian or any other kind of anything we, I mean, don't lose culture. Don't lose, you know, any of those things, history or any of those things. I'm not saying to ignore those things. But what I'm saying is we have an identity as Christians. And again, the, the goal in all that is preaching the gospel so that people will hear and understand and repent and have that heart change have that mental change the changing of the way that they think and no longer look at people by their their race or their ethnicity or or their sin but we look at other christians as family as members of the same body and we look at non-believers as people who are headed for hell if they do not repent and trust Christ, and so that we need to give them the gospel that they so desperately need to hear. That's what we need to be doing. Nobody needs to be identifying as a gay Christian or a black Christian or a white evangelical or any of those things. We identify as Christians because we are in Christ. And if you have any other things that you would put before the name of Christ, I can't trust you. Bottom line. And again, I'm not I'm not saying anybody should give up the the amazing culture of and history of their of their ethnicity, but we put Christ first. Period. And we put Christ first because of what he did for us. God incarnate lived a perfect human life, complete obedience to the law that could only be done because of his divine nature, went to the cross, bore the penalty for our sin, so that again, to quote one of my favorite preachers, when justice demands for for the believer in Christ, justice demands that God look at the cross. For the unbeliever, justice demands that God look at his sins. But God is not looking upon any of our ethnicities. He made us that way, and he did it for a reason, and he did it to make the world beautiful. Every race, color, ethnicity, whatever you want to call it, every single one of them makes this world beautiful. Just want to just sing Shy Lynn's God Made Me and You, which I listen to with my daughter every night. 
though um, different colors and different shades, all fearfully and wonderfully made, in each the glory of God displayed. God made me in you, and Jesus died for me in you. So that we can not just be this diverse world that proclaims the glory of God, but that we can be the body of Christ that proclaims his gospel. And as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. Until next week, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.